Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And hello, everybody. Welcome In the Booth. Appreciate your patience with me as I was on uh, sick leave yesterday. Not feeling a whole lot better today, to be honest with you, but uh, we're going to try to do our thing. It's not exactly heavy lifting here. We'll find our way uh, through it as uh, best we can today up until 3 o'clock and then back each of the next two days with the busiest time of the year for those of us involved in uh, college sports, the football and basketball overlap season, and uh, lots of good stuff going on. Both the men's and women's basketball seasons open on Friday. The women against uh, Morgan State at 2 Men against Cornell Friday night in the Dome at 7. And then the Wake Forest football game Saturday at 3 o'clock. We'll visit with Wake Forest head football coach Dave Clawson a bit later in the show. And uh, checking with Matt Rowe as well today on uh, not only his takeaways from the two exhibition games, but uh, I know he and the guys uh, involved in the television broadcast of uh, Friday's game against Cornell are visiting with their uh, coach, Brian Earle of the uh, Big Red as we speak. So we'll sort of download his notebook on that and pick his brain on Miami football because Matt was at the Miami-Virginia Tech game, and that's uh, the big national game of the weekend as uh, the Hurricanes host Notre Dame on Saturday. One of my favorite segments on the news, Matt, is what's going around when they talk about the colds and the symptoms and stuff. And I'm a hypochondriac, so what what were you suffering from yesterday? My... um. I'm just general malaise, I would say. No, I uh, I thought it was a cold, and now I'm, my real concern is that I'm not addressing the right thing. My tongue is the size of a Volkswagen right now. I feel like my everything is just kind of... Have you consulted with a doctor? That's uh, on the docket. Those of, us, nice. those of us that have a lot of work to do, Polly, we, we have to keep plugging away at these <laughs> things and can't uh, shut her down for a whole day. I tried to do that. Uh, well, I didn't shut it down. I just didn't come into the office. Uh, so... Hopefully I get through some stuff today and then tonight or tomorrow might be consulting uh, somebody in a white coat, which wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> but uh, medical personnel, I think, need to be uh, summoned here to figure out exactly what's going on. So Don't look that up on WebMD that you have a no. small tongue because you'll be, think you're going to die in five minutes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I thought about it for a second, um, but uh, it's just not a, uh, not a comfortable feeling. The... Uh, not gonna lie to you. The game the other night, little, uh, little awkward. Felt like I was getting kind of a knife in the neck on a regular basis, but uh, it's not about me. We made it through, and uh, looking forward to uh, better days ahead. And uh, for these teams that were watching for exciting games, spent a lot of time with uh, Coach Babers this morning, getting his thoughts on the football game. On Saturday, and we'll uh, talk about that, of course, over the next uh, couple of days on the show. Wanted to start a little bit today with uh, what Max led his sports center with, and that's Roy Halladay. Roy uh, pitched more than a decade in the Blue Jays organization, and as such, had a uh, 
a little bit of time in Syracuse. That's not what's important. Uh, but we lost Halliday yesterday, uh, far too young, turned 40 in May, was piloting his own plane and flying alone yesterday and crashed in the Gulf of Mexico. And um, what a loss. Uh, wanted to reach out to Jason Stark, who we've had on the show a couple of times, and not pester him about coming on the air, but just to express condolences. Jason would be one of the uh, media pros that had a close relationship uh, following Doc Holliday, and, and uh, everybody had nothing but great things to say. We knew what kind of pitcher he was, and his career, the story of his career, Halliday's, is that he started really as kind of a, almost just a guy. It, it did not uh, click for him early, and he had to be completely rebuilt. He was in the major leagues. His first time in Syracuse, by the way, was 97. He had a losing record here. Uh, 7-10 and 10 and a 458 ERA in 22 uh, AAA starts after coming up from uh, AA in 1997, so uh, 20 years ago. The following year, nine wins here. Then he pitched all of 99 in Toronto, just average. Started again in Toronto in the year 2000, well below average. And the Blue Jays said, enough with this. And in 2001, he pitched in the Florida State League, 13 starts in relief, um, or 13 appearances in relief, uh, pitched in double A, worked his way back up. And then it clicked. Uh, they totally re- rebuilt everything. He had uh, a couple more appearances, starts for uh, Syracuse in 2001. And uh, from 2002 on, Halliday was as good as there was in the major leagues, 19-7, and 22-7. and seven. He won 20 games in uh, 2008, 21 in 2010. People know about the Cy Young Awards, uh, the no-hitters, perfect game, postseason. Um, excellence, obviously, uh, postseason no-hitter. Halliday is one strike away, the 0-2, a bouncer, Ruiz, in time! Roy Halladay has thrown a no-hitter. That was, uh, and Brian Anderson on the call there, another guy who's been on the show. I remember this, and it's not a Roy Halladay story. It's a Doug Marone story. We can come back to that in a second. Um, But uh, Halladay was just a a really easy guy to like. By all accounts, a tremendous uh, family man, great person. The media loved him. He was straightforward. He answered questions and uh, treated everybody with respect and uh, and just a shame to see it. A couple of things out, out of reaction. First of all, I saw Dan Schulman, who's a longtime play-by-play announcer for the Blue Jays, among other things, and certainly National uh, Major League Baseball on ESPN. Uh, Dan, and this is why Twitter is so stupid sometimes, he put out a thing, hey, I'd love to see Major League Baseball you know, commemorate the annual leader in innings pitched and, and call it the Roy Halladay Award or something like that. And the next, like, 15 responses are, oh, gee, I guess you have to have an award for every stat category then. Or you might as well have this. Or he wasn't worthy of it. Or he, or how about it be in complete games? and say, Stop, people. That's not really specifically what he means. He's just saying let's, let's honor Roy Halladay in a way um, that is emblematic of him. And if it's, you know, 
longevity or workmanlike uh, bulldog type starting pitcher. That's who he was. That's what we're, we're trying to get at the the nut of, and and for people to um, kind of miss that point or, or to pile on, I think is embarrassing. But uh, so I would throw any support, not that I have any, but uh, behind the idea of uh, commemorating for a guy who uh, went about it the right way uh, back when, not that, you know, by today's standards, he would be um, far and above, but uh, this is kind of a foreign concept. Now complete games for Halliday. He had uh, nine in a season, four separate times, another one with eight, another one with seven. Uh, those types of things don't uh, happen anymore, but that might be a type of thing where you uh, could honor the memory of uh, somebody like that with with an honor. The The timing, though, of that postseason no-hitter against the Reds, I'll always remember it because it was, I don't know if it was the first year of, I'll have to look back the exact year. That doesn't really matter for the story. Um, but it coincided with Doug Marone's radio show, which at the time we did um, in our little studio in Manly Fieldhouse, which was just a small little room with padded walls and uh, not a whole lot else going on in it, but it was convenient for everybody because we just flipped a switch and did the show and and, uh, Coach Marone could uh, walk down from his office and and do it. And... uh, there was a time when he comes down and we had the game on. There, there was a, a TV in the in the room. We had this game on. We're kind of watching the very end of it because it's about to coincide with the start of our show and we're you know, one or two minutes to air. And, uh, hey, we got to see if this is going to be the first postseason uh, no-hitter since Don Larson in 1956. And, and uh, Coach Marone cut it a little closer than he typically does to getting down to us. And then uh, – we get in the room, and uh, we're all watching it, and he kind of said, yeah, I've been, been watching down in the office, and blah, blah, blah. And turns out he throws it, and so then it literally was in the first minute of the show because it had just happened. I uh, come on, and it's just an icebreaker at the start of the show, and, and Coach, we, you know, we saw some history. And Doug Marone at the time says, uh, I don't know what you were talking about. I was watching film, <laughs> which is a very a very uh, Doug Marone uh, thing to say. They didn't want anybody to have the impression that uh, – he was not completely locked in on the next uh, football game, but it wasn't any more than a minute or two that he had uh, been with us there uh, watching the uh, Roy Halladay brilliance in the postseason. But an eight-time All-Star, two-time Cy Young Award winner, and our thoughts uh, and prayers to those closest to Doc Halladay, who uh, passed away uh, yesterday at the age of 40. So that's a shame. Would guys, you know, shame when anybody dies, obviously, but people that you uh, kind of empathize, you know, just so you could cross the same paths with, know a lot of the same people, same time frame, and uh, Ray Halliday, really one of the one of the good dudes out there, gone too soon, there, Paulie. Yeah, the strange thing about this is, is uh, I was producing Chiefs baseball back then mm-hmm. when Hyder and Deluca were calling the games, and he was always their go-to interview when they were struggling to get somebody or mm-hmm. needed somebody. He was always the first guy up to come up and talk to them. So that's the one thing that I know about him. Uh, he was always uh, good on the Chiefs broadcast. So. Yeah, a lot of the uh, national media, they covered uh, you know the biggest games, and the Blue Jays and the Phillies uh, over uh, recent years. The teams that uh, Halliday played for have come out with all kinds of great stories about uh, his 
focus on and off the field, his attention to detail, his uh, willingness to uh, do the right things and treat people the right way. So uh, that one is a shame, and we don't mean to start the show on a downer, but we do and uh, have that one over with. When we come back, we will get into the Wake Forest football game. It's a Saturday 3 o'clock start on Military Appreciation Day in the Dome. The Demon Deacons come in with a 5-4 and four record off a loss at uh, Notre Dame on Saturday. Dave Clawson, their head coach, will join us when we come back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Saturday, the Orange return home to face Wake Forest in the Loud House. Pre-game at one kickoff at three. Catch Syracuse football all season long on TK99 and ESPN AM 1200. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth, brought to you by CH Insurance, CNYRealtor.com. And uh, Burdick Ford, good to have you along with us. You heard the promo there, the uh, Orange and Wake Forest in the Dome, Saturday at 3 o'clock. Wake comes in at 5-4, and four, beat the Orange last year uh, in rainy, nasty conditions down in Winston-Salem, so it won't be anything like that this time around. And uh, two teams that are feeling better about themselves, but still are in need of a win as the shine of their most recent uh, wins are uh, – kind of rolling off a little bit and and uh they want to both see if they can get back in the win column and get toward bowl eligibility one more win for wake gets them in a bowl for the second straight year of course syracuse needs to win two of the final three to do it for wake a game at notre dame on saturday they lost 48 37 dave clausen the head coach of wake forest and that game going up against his defensive coordinator mike elko who had moved from wake to notre dame in the offseason and for Clawson, uh, we started our conversation with him talking about the opportunity to play at Notre Dame, which is something that Wake has done a couple of times here in recent years. Clawson grew up in western New York. He was a high school teammate at Lewiston Porter High School of uh, Moose Johnston, and uh, he'd go on to play small college football himself at uh, Williams. But we started with that idea about waking up the echoes in South Bend. A great environment to play in. That's the second time in three years we've played Mm -hmm. at Notre Dame, and they're an excellent football team, and it's a great environment and a great experience for our players. And we did some really good things, but not enough to win the football game. Just watching some of the film, and I think one of the first things you notice is, okay, here's John Walford, who we've been talking about now for four years as an extraordinary high school quarterback in the Jacksonville area, but you had to be patient. He took his lumps, and – You've put a lot of seeds and water and fertilizer in there, and it looks like it's paying off now. Yeah, and I think uh, what's really happened is that we've just surrounded John with better players. Uh, We have an offensive line that can protect. Uh, We've got good receivers that can get open, and we've got backs that can make people miss. And, um, you know, could John have done this earlier? Maybe not to the level he's doing it now. Um, But I I just think that as a whole we're improved, and that makes John's job uh, easier and and we get more explosives now. Looking at Wake Forest from a distance, you can see, um, you know, some of the names are, are the same. Cam Sarney and the tight end. It seems like it's been there a very long time and and that type of thing. But where the patience and the development, coach, I think to get those people in the positions that you're talking about has been there. Um, what do you think? And you've done this before, building programs. What, what were the most important aspects, do you think, to kind of taking your lumps, as I said, for a time, but then developing and ch- chipping away to get to the point where uh, this is a very confident uh, football team that's won some big games? 
Well, I think it all starts with having a vision of how you want it to look and uh, to stick to that vision and stick to that plan maybe when things don't go well early. Um, you know, in terms of developing a program, it's always been recruit, get the best players you can that fit the school, make sure you do everything you can to retain them, and then you have to develop them. And, uh, you know, we've had some young players here that now in their – third year or fourth year have, have really developed into good ACC football players. So, you know, we're not doing things differently. We're just doing them with older, more experienced and better football players. Are you pleased at the way you've been able to uh, build depth enough to withstand a couple of these injuries? And you wouldn't wish that on anybody, but Greg Dortch uh, is out for the year right now after a very prolific start as a wide receiver and, and here and there banged up in the, the secondary and that type of thing. But uh, you've been able to plug the gap with somebody. Yeah, I mean, it's you always want your best players healthy, and anytime um, you lose guys, it, you know your team's not as good. There's a reason guys start. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're certainly in a much better shape from a depth perspective now than we were a year ago or two years ago, and I don't think any football coach has the depth they want, um, but we're certainly closer to it. That uh, at some positions, you know, maybe we drop off a little bit, we don't fall off a cliff like we used to. Alex Bachman, I thought coach was a good example of that. A guy who has been a reserve for you for the year. He steps in extended playing time at Notre Dame. Huge game, eight catches and 116 yards. Yeah, and that's a guy of a a third-year junior that's played a lot of football for us. He started games. He does a lot of things on special teams. And um, he was ready for that moment. And uh, fortunately for us, he stepped up and performed. But we believed he would. We've seen what he's done in practice and what he did for three years. So we, we felt good about putting him in there. And clear chemistry uh, with the quarterback, which uh, was impressive to see. Dave Clawson is our guest. His fourth year as the Wake Forest head coach. Uh, moving to your defense coach, the uh, ends there are so strong. Wendell Dunn, Duke Edgefer. What have they given you in terms of being the building blocks of your defense? Well, we've been able to be disruptive up front. So we we graduated a lot of players in the back end of our defense last year. We graduated three players who ended up in NFL camps, and Thomas Brown, Markel Lee, both linebackers, and Brad Watson, a corner. We had another safety, Ryan Javion, that played a lot of football for us. And so uh, the strength of our football team has really become our front in Duke, and Wendell, our two ends, are, are prob- they're the heart and soul of the defensive line. And both have been very productive. Edge for uh, 14 and a half uh, tackles for loss, six and a half sacks so far. Uh, the back end now, you've had to plug in different people. I know Amari Henderson, you lost due to injury a little bit uh, in the uh, Notre Dame game. What's their status, Coach, and, and how do you um, see them lining up against uh, Syracuse uh, in particular, a team that likes to spread the field? Well, I mean, anytime you play Syracuse and their tempo and pace of offense, it's always a challenge, especially on your secondary guys, because Syracuse does a good job of rolling in receivers, and they make it very hard for you to sub and rest your guys. So uh, this week is always a challenge. And, uh, you know, with not having Jesse Bates, you know, you'd like to have a little bit more depth back there. But uh, we feel good about who we have, and we're preparing them for what Syracuse does. When you do scout Syracuse and their recent tape okay you've got the the last two games on the road against good teams in Miami and Florida State where they've just come up short and then the home win against Clemson what do you make of all of that and and everybody here is talking about maybe a Syracuse team that they hope bounces back to form a little bit by returning to the dome well I mean when you play the teams they've played I mean they've played 
two of the best teams in the country are two of those games, and they beat one of them. Mm-hmm. And Florida State, say what you want, is still a really, really talented football team. So they've played against really good teams, and they've been competitive in all those games and found ways to win them. And I think there's two programs that are in very similar places that I think both of us are improved. Uh, I think we're both trying to take that next step and get to the upper half of the of the division. And, uh, and this game is a, a huge game for both programs to get where they want to get to. It's exciting, isn't it? Your team was in a bowl last year, but to have something to play for at, at the end of the year, uh, the same thing that both programs want. Yeah, and I think that's always step one, is that you want to get to November with something to play for. In our, our first two years here, uh, we didn't. Last year we did, and it made it uh, a lot more enjoyable and practice livelier, and we're back in that position again, and we want to do better than we did a year ago. So th- this is a huge game for us. And last thing, Coach, before we uh, turn you loose, um, w- one thing I know Coach Babers identified really it being the turnover margin, which is often a determining factor in games. What- what's one thing from a Wake Forest perspective against the Orange that uh, you think needs to go your way on Saturday? Well, I, I think uh, we- we've got to do a great job with our third down defense. I think uh, – you know, Syracuse is one of those offenses that when they get on a roll and they're moving the football and they're moving the chains, they're very hard to stop. And, uh, you know, when we get them in third downs and especially third and longs, we, we have to capitalize and get them off the field because if not, you know, they just roll people. Coach, we appreciate it. You're a class act. Uh, thanks, as always, for your time and best of luck. Okay, thanks so much. Dave Clawson, the fourth-year head coach of Wake Forest. He was Coach Baver's predecessor at Bowling Green, so he's had a little bit of a longer run up there, and you can see the benefits of it. John Walford, their quarterback, they couldn't move the ball an inch his first two years, and uh, now he's the most efficient passer in the ACC. He's thrown for 17 touchdowns and three interceptions, and uh, they have built a lot around him. Leading receiver this weekend at Notre Dame was Alex Bachman. Prior to the game, he had caught four balls for the year. In the game, he caught eight for 116 yards. Cam Serenay, their tight end, is good. Running backs, they're without uh, Cade Carney, who has been injured. Carney went for over 100 yards against the Orange uh, in a previous game. And uh, uh, last year, he's a sophomore. This year, Carney's been a bit uh, banged up. Matt Colburn is their lead running back. A junior, good for uh, 4.8 yards per carry. He mentioned Jesse Bates. He's without his starting strong safety uh, for this game who is the leading tackler on the team up to this point. But uh, they do have two strong pass rushers. And uh, will Syracuse be able to have and or protect Eric Dungy? Those are the questions. Dungy is being nursed uh, quite a bit this week. He was not made available at the media session last night, which is not necessarily an indication of anything. It's not terribly good um, if he was all good to go and good to stand there and not going to be seen with any casts or any of that other stuff, he'd come out and do the interviews. Um, the fact that he uh, didn't last night I think is a bit concerning, but it does not uh, necessarily mean uh, that he would be out uh, for this game, for instance. Okay, so that is uh, Dave Clausen, the coach of Wake Forest. Stan Cotton, the play-by-play announcer for Wake Forest, will join us a little bit later than this on tomorrow's show. When we come back, Joe would do we care. Then Matt Rowe to talk basketball. We'll mix in a little football with Matt as well as we continue. You're in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM Syracuse. And 100.1 FM Oswego. 
This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't care no more. Lonzo Ball's younger brother is in trouble with the law. Leangelo Ball was arrested in China for shoplifting. Ball and two others were released on bail Tuesday afternoon. Reports say Ball, Cody Riley, and Jalen Hill, all members of the UCLA men's basketball team, stole designer sunglasses from a store next to the hotel at which they were staying. University officials say they are, quote, disappointed by the situation. Well, I would imagine so. I personally could not be more over the Ball family and Ball family stories and the dad is incredible. Um, the the number of times you hear about these, you know, guys, the college athletes that are on trips or bowl games or th- these types of things and think they're going to get away with some of this stuff is insane. I don't want to put it on the structure of the NCAA and whether kids should be paid. It's not that um, that they they think they get away with it because of their entitled um, attitude that they have to begin with not be he didn't steal the sunglasses in other words because his only uh, reimbursement as a player is his his scholarship uh i think the 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 ball family's pretty well off anyway he could buy whatever he wants i would imagine um it, it's that's not what uh, this is born out of but uh bad situation for everybody involved ucla and georgia tech are both uh, at that game in china and uh both in trouble right now uh, what do they do with him? Is he allowed to leave the country, or does he have to fly back for court dates? Uh, the Chinese government uh, wants them to stay in the hotel room until they get everything straightened out. So what is yeah. it, a life sentence in China? Yeah, I have no idea. I, I think you don't want to get arrested in uh, foreign countries, I can say that. Not fun. And typically these college trips, their the time is, ma- I mean, going to China is a whole different animal, but your time is managed so much. I've been on a great deal of the trips that I've been on. The guys don't even leave the hotel room. One of the reasons, in particularly in football, that a traveling party doesn't stay sort of in the action and might stay uh, 10, 15, 20 minutes uh, outside of town or, or downtown is to minimize the risk of the temptation of, of this type of thing. And I think that it's much, much, much more common that um, – Everybody sort of keeps to themselves, has dinner in the hotel, and moves on. This this is a, a rare deal with the, the trip to China, obviously. And speaking from past experience, Chinese prison is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> did, did a few years for... <laughs> I recall that story. We didn't care. Uh, Buddy Beheim has signed a letter of intent to play for Syracuse. Jim Beheim's son is now a senior at Brewster Academy in New Hampshire. Last year, he averaged 26.3 points and 9.8 rebounds while a junior at Jamesville DeWitt High School. Well, he was a Section 3 Player of the Year last year and uh, is kicking it up a notch in terms of the competition at a prep school this year. So people are excited to to see him and see uh, Jimmy on the floor here uh, Friday night. So congratulations are abound in the uh, Bayheim household to uh, Coach and Julie and, and their kids. And Sissy's doing great and all kinds of good stuff. I think uh, this is the official opening of the signing day for basketball. So uh, the other recruits in that class, uh, Darius Baisley, uh, Jalen Carey expected to sign as well today. And then on the women's side, uh, they're starting to get uh, their recruits uh, signed and the official uh, paperwork in, and, and they're excited about their recruiting class as well. My take is cool. 
<laughs> good, Paul. Good very, contribution. There. Very helpful. Hey, that's a cool story. Uh, you guys watch Stranger Things? I do not. Polly? Uh, I've been told I would like it because it's uh, very 80s-centric, and it's, I love the 80s, but I have not seen it, so it's on my to-do list. Well, if you're a fan of that show and you live in the state of Michigan, you're going to want to stay out of trouble. Police in East Lansing say that they will spoil the plot of the hit show to anyone who is sent to jail. I don't get that. Is that they're going to find out? If you're into Stranger Things, and if so, they're going to rub it in by, <laughs> by telling you this? Or that's is part it, of the Miranda rights. I was going to say, or do you have to, if I knew more about Stranger Things, maybe I would have a, a more uh, intelligent question to ask. Like, I don't, it doesn't take place in East Lansing or anything like that, right? It's not like you're, it's not like through the process of being arrested in East Lansing, you're going to expose something uh, no, apparently, in the show. It's basically just to be mean to you. Yeah, the punishment is spoiler alert. Yeah. Right. So you, have they, the right, you have the right to remain well, silent. Just, you have a just Netflix account. Yeah. Uh, you have the right to remain silent. Darth Vader is Luke's father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they, share some of the other, the other great uh, spoiler alerts of all time. Hard-hitting stuff there again, Joe. Thank you. I try. Do We Care is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's, love it for a slice. Matt, feel better. I appreciate it, uh, Joe. Thank you. Finkel's my, a man. My big whiner or what? Yeah. <laughs> um, I've heard Stranger Things is good. It's also one of those where it feels like you, you can't just jump in. Like it feels like a commitment. I think yeah, you're on season two. Beginning. You got to start at the beginning, and I, I just don't have time for that right now. I saw the first season. Didn't care for it. I saw an episode of Shameless the other night, and now I feel I need to go back eight seasons and watch you them do. all. It was so good. Yeah. Good so. show. Don't know that one either. Well, that's a good one. That's a Showtime. Yep. Show Sunday nights. Okay. I feel like Joe's got plenty of time on his hands to, <laughs> to watch this stuff. You do a report on that for the rest of us, Joe. You, All right. You do the watching, and then uh, you, you tell us what's happening, okay? Shameless report tomorrow. You have okay. the right to remain silent. <laughs> they kill old Geller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got to put him down. <laughs> you thought he was cuddly and in the end. <laughs> Usual suspect. <laughs> you you want to know why they call it the crying game? <laughs> Back with more In the Booth. Matt Rowe next. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Welcome back In the Booth. Good to have you along with us on the show today for a couple more minutes before we turn our attention to uh, Wake Forest football a little bit more in the next uh, couple of days. Stan Cotton, the voice of the Demon Deacons, tomorrow. Friday is a game day for the Syracuse men's basketball team. Matt Rowe used to play for that team, has uh, worked the uh, first couple of exhibition games here on uh, television as well and want to get your thoughts Matt on what we've seen so far and uh, then look ahead a little bit to Cornell how are things things are going well Uh, no complaints back from uh, Miami and watching a good uh, Miami Virginia Tech football yeah we're going to get you get you on that here in a second okay because that's uh, a big part of the weekend Um, what did uh, what are the leftovers from the exhibition season how about Frank Howard what would you think there well, I thought he was the most consistent more in the second half than first, but uh, proved, a, proved a lot of naysayers probably wrong. Is you know had some turnovers the first game, six of them, but uh, kind of tightened that up quite a bit. And really, I thought he was the guy uh, in both games when the runs were being made. He was in there, kind of uh, you know stimulating the runs with steals, getting out in the fast break and ones. Uh, I really liked some of the decision making he made early on. 
with a pass to the right wing in front of Syracuse bench to O'Shea Brissett early in the first half, where I think last year he may have forced that. Uh, he kind of had a shot fake two-leg pull-up and uh, opted to go right to the open shooter with O'Shea on the right side. So making good decisions, and um, I think there's a lot of minutes. Uh, it'll be a good sidekick all year for Tyus Battle. Uh, who's I think has really scored 20-plus both games but really struggled to find his shot so far this year. Yeah, and he's going to have to take a lot of shots, we figure. Uh, we'll see how it plays out, but that's the way it looks like uh, here at the beginning. And Matt, uh, Coach Beheim was able to – he had an opportunity, even in what turned out to be close to a 30-point win, a chance to say, hey, look, effort needs to be better. You can't spot the other team 11 points and, and that type of thing. And it's clearly – I think more fun for everybody to learn those lessons in wins. Is that something you hear once or, and it's, it's fixed or is there truly a transition for young players from players from other conferences, et cetera, uh, to understand what needs to happen here in terms of the effort. There's so many layers to that. And I would agree with you. I think, you know, if you looked at the first game, against Southern New Hampshire, I think that the Syracuse team figured, okay, this is going to be another ho-hum exhibition game, Division Two team from the same league. We're going to blow this team out, and there was no sense of urgency. Now, I give Scott Burrell's Southern Connecticut State team a lot of uh, kudos. They they played really great man-to-man defense, and look, at they are up five on the scoreboard at half. They could have easily been up 12. Uh, Syracuse made a late run, got fouled. You know, Bell got to the line quite a bit to get his scoring going. But I think they came out a little lackadaisical. And I thought they thought the name with their jersey would get them through this game. Uh, the end result was that. But I'm sure it was quite a, uh interesting conversation at halftime with Coach Bam and the young team. Uh, but I, I really liked uh, Burrell's defense a lot like Calhoun, shoulder to shoulder, played scout D, hand up. Nothing was easy in that first half. And I think what got the team going was, you know, defensive effort, uh, getting out a fast break, uh, taking advantage of the block shots, which has been a dominant column for them in the first two games. But they're going to see that same thing, Matt, when the season starts against, you know, the Cornells, the Colgates, not to group them in the same thing, but this non-conference schedule. I think by the third or fourth game, you're going to get that, okay, we've, we've gone through these teams pretty easily and uh, really can maybe can take a possession off or a half off. It's not going to be the case. Uh, and then that's going to come a really uh, tough lesson once the ACC schedule starts in postseason. Uh, if, if SU is fortunate enough to find themselves, you know, playing in an IT or NCAA tournament, each level you get to, uh, the great teams bring it every night, no matter if it's an exhibition game, or a non-conference game, or an ACC game. Matt Rose, our guest, uh, handling a lot of the uh, analysis on the ACC uh, Network Extra broadcast, including Friday night against. Cornell. I know you just uh, talked to Coach Earl. At least that was the plan. Uh, what's in your notebook in terms of what they offer? How, what do he say about uh, how Jimmy's fitting in? Well, it's interesting. You know, you, you I try to ask a story late of many funny recruiting stories with Coach Benham in the house and home visit, the campus visit uh, at Cornell. And uh, they did not visit in the home. He told a funny story uh, how they were, you know, Julie's great. She kind of knows the process of uh, recruiting and visits and, you know, coaches probably done over 10,000 of them, right? So, uh, you know, they're walking around campus and uh, they walked in the gym with an elementary class uh, kids in, in the gym and all the kids started going crazy. 
uh, it's Coach Pam and Julie and Jimmy and Coach O were walking along, and they were all like, there's our coach, there's our coach, and they all ran up to Coach Bayheim, uh <laughs> wanting photos and autographs. So Coach O was kind of laughing, saying, you know, I know I'm a New Jersey guy, and he's a legend, but this guy's a rock star. I just tried to put my head in the photo to get be part of it. But, uh, <laughs> he said Jimmy's a Justin Well. You know, he's a lot different from when he saw him play uh, when he was on the Princeton staff uh, before he got the job at Cornell. He's grown. He's legit 6'8". Uh, he's creative. He's a good shooter. Knows how to get to the basket. Um, and uh, they put a premium on kids with basketball IQ. There, he's running the Princeton system to a degree. Uh, you got to be able to dribble, pass, shoot, and uh, you know have court spacing. Uh, but he said he's been doing really well, and he's gotten some minutes early on with some injuries, and definitely is part of the, the mix for this uh, big red team. And Cornell's got Matt Morgan, who's probably the best individual yeah. player than that uh, Syracuse will see in these first couple of opponents better than anybody on the, the two exhibition teams. Uh, and I thought, by the way, just in terms of athleticism and getting off the bus, I thought Central Connecticut had a huge edge on uh, – or I'm sorry, Southern Connecticut over Southern New Hampshire. I, that If those two sure. played uh, at the Mellow Center at the Dome the next day, I wouldn't have thought it would be a competition at all. Um, Southern Connecticut, uh, to me, to look, looks to have a lot more going for them. And then um, Cornell, you're going to see a little more – uh, size probably, but uh, certainly Morgan can fill it up with anybody. And uh, let's just wrap it up, Matt, on this. Uh, you were our roving uh, reporter uh, at the uh, Miami-Virginia Tech game. Uh, give us a feel for your uh, fan perspective. Uh, how did you roll down there? And we'll uh, get your thought on what you think Miami uh, can do for its game this weekend against Notre Dame. Well, the famous, uh, you know, the famous game that was – Put off the production 30 for 30 with the Catholics versus convicts this week with uh, Notre Dame and Miami. I, I, you know, I tell you what, football's back down there at the U. Uh, the stadium, you know, the Hard Rock Cafe, uh, it's, it's a distance from Coral Gables, uh, but uh, a lot of, a lot of tailgating, a lot of t-shirts with chains on it, a lot of people wearing the turnover chains in the crowd. Uh, it's kind of wild to see. I thought that'd uh, be your, your kind of look. Turnover. Yeah, I that's kind of like I you after you get a birdie. I, I couldn't. You wouldn't imagine the people that had that that chain on. It's just amazing how big it is down there. But uh, this game, this Notre Dame game, uh, you know, Virginia Tech. I think that just kind of came in and they weren't they weren't at the level of Miami. The intensity, the crowd is great on third downs. They're into the game, standing the entire time. But that Notre Dame game is going to be something to see. Implications, as you know, uh, for Miami being undefeated, trying to get into that. The, the, the final four, the best four, top four in college football, but a lot of six or seven huge, huge football games this weekend uh, that's going to kind of change the landscape of that top 15, uh, top 20. I vote that's a new thing, Matt, uh, for you and your group. Uh, you, you make a birdie and you wear a big gaudy chain until, <laughs> until you, you make a bogey. How's that sound? <laughs> you can't. You can't imagine how excited these kids are when they get the fumble interception just to run off <laughs> I know. to the sideline for one of the coordinators to put that chain on the neck. And then they stand on the back bench and the crowd goes absolutely crazy. And they put them on the, you know, the camera for the, for the stadium. It's like, you would have thought that they hit a walk-off grand slam in a baseball game in the game seven of the world series. It's, it's unbelievable intensity. Well, I'm glad uh, you were able to, to check it out. Miami and Notre Dame both being good is uh, good for college football. So we're looking forward to that one uh, as a uh, dessert after the uh, Syracuse game against Wake on Saturday. Polly, it looks like he has one for you. I am. Matt. I'm going to put put All the right, pressure Polly. put we the got pressure a minute on left you. In the show. Put the pressure on you. Going uh, yes or no? Syracuse basketball is a tournament team this year. No, a yes for the NIT. 
<laughs> That's not the one he meant. But <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. Like hey, you know yet. you're on the record before the season starts. It's a tough call and, and uh, tough to oh, say. Yeah, Nobody wants to. Question. Wow. Yeah, I hear you. No, it, nobody wants to uh, pronounce that at this point of the year, but uh, just might be a different kind of season. So we thank you, Matt, uh, and we'll see Matt Friday night uh, with Brian Higgins on the ACC Network Extra broadcast uh, with the 7 o'clock game, women against Morgan State at 2. Back here tomorrow, Stan Cotton, our counterpart at Wake Forest, will join us back on Friday as well for Polly and Joe. And our guest today, I'm Matt Park saying so long. Thanks for being with us in the booth.